So this sermon this morning comes from the um, LCA website. I've added a few extra points to personalise it a bit. Um, but hopefully we're all blessed by it. Uh, let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Hands up anyone who doesn't or hasn't desired some form of healing, either physical or mental, for themselves or someone they know. Good to see there's no hands raised up out there. Being and feeling healthy is, of course, something we all desire. Having a healthy mind and body, according to God's word, comes down to three key factors. Uh, and, the, and these can be seen in Proverbs. Proverbs 3, 7 and 8. Do not be wise in your own eyes, for the Lord, fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. And then over in Proverbs 4, My son, pay attention to what I say. Listen closely to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart. For they are life to those who find them and health to the man's whole body. But even if we do fear the Lord, shun evil and listen closely to God's word as it comes to us directly from, from his word or via the lips of fellow believers, we may still have times of sickness and of, of mind or body. We unfortunately live in a fallen world and inevitably, for any number of reasons, we will all have times of sickness. When we or someone we know doesn't, does become sick, we might pray, Lord, bring healing and take away this sickness. And that's a great prayer in itself. But do we ever pray, Lord, heal my friend or myself so that they or I can be productive for your service once again? What is our ultimate reason for wanting healing for ourselves and others? Well, sadly, so often, our desire for Jesus to heal has an understandable but ultimately selfish motive, whether we acknowledge that motive or not. We try to convince ourselves that our motive for wanting healing for a friend is because we don't like to see them suffer. And that's all well and truly good. But of course, there's the, also the underlying motive of not wanting to lose the support of that friend. There's also a deeper and more eternal motive for seeking healing for a friend or ourselves. And it's not a motive we'd like to admit. And that motive is that we don't want to face death. We may boldly proclaim we have no fear of death and may even be looking forward to it. But honestly, how do we initially react to the news that a friend is sick or receive news that we are sick? It's only when the faith that God has gifted us with 
overrides that initial reaction that we can then move on in supporting a friend who is sick or dealing with their own sickness. In today's Gospel account, we read how Jesus deals with sickness and reveals God's motives for healing, which is vastly different from ours and has eternal implications. One Sabbath, after teaching in the synagogue at Capernaum, where he delivered a man from an unclean spirit, Jesus and his disciples went to Simon and Andrew's house. Simon and Andrew just happened to mention that Peter's mother-in-law lay ill in the house with a fever. No ulterior motives here, I'm sure. Jesus, of course, went and took her hand, took her by the hand, lifted her up, and she was healed. The fever left her and she began to serve them. Jesus didn't speak a word. He held the woman's hand and lifted her up. In the synagogue, he taught and acted with authority. On this occasion, he again showed his authority, but entirely through his actions. Secondly, and maybe more importantly, Jesus healed Simon's mother-in-law so that she might be, might be productive. He healed her totally. The fever left her and she began to serve. We read that Jesus lifted her up. The same word is used in Matthew's Gospel account in 16 verse 21, where we read, Jesus began to explain that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, chief priests and teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised up to life. Jesus rested in the tomb, but he was raised up to be productive in our lives through his indwelling spirit. God's power worked in Simon's mother-in-law to enable her to show that God's rule and reign is indeed good news. Healed, transformed and ready to serve, she slipped into her role as easily as if God had prepared her for it, which, of course, he had. She had a servant heart like Jesus, the servant of servants. He came not to be served, but to serve, and by giving his life as a ransom for many, as an atonement for all. Simon's mother-in-law, raised up and healed by Jesus, received God's peace. Jesus said, My peace I give you, not as the world gives. For God's peace is productive. It enables us to get up and serve. People naturally ask me, have you ever wanted to be healed? And my answer is, yes, of course, healed from the burden of sin and guilt. As my brother often reminds me, one day my physical healing will be cured by a good resurrection. When we don't receive an immediate healing from an illness or an ailment, Paul gives us this reassurance in 2 Corinthians 12 verse 9. 
My grace is sufficient for you, for my body is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast even more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. Now, people also ask me, do you ever get angry at God? And I'm reminded of this cartoon. If you could have that picture, please. So there's old Hagar, his ship's gone down, and he yells out, why me? And here's a voice from the, from the sky, why not? What makes me, or any of us, any more special than you or I, or anyone else, that I should be angry at God for making me the way he has? And if I ever feel like life is unfair and I don't deserve this life, I'm reminded of this cartoon. Next picture, please. There he is. I don't deserve this. And the voice says, no, I actually went easy on you. Now, that's not quite true, well, not the full story, really, is it, with God. For what is it that we as sinners deserve? Well, it's death, isn't it? And what is it, by God's grace alone, that we receive life and full life? So it's actually far more than we deserve. Jesus' power rests on all of us to bring the healing that is most important, healing from sin and guilt before God. We gather here to receive such healing by way of his word and his holy supper. Such healing guarantees us the raising up and restoration of our bodies on the day when our Lord Jesus will return in all his power and glory. The Lord says in Isaiah 40, verse 28 to 31, Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint and strengthens the powerless. Even youths will faint and be weary, and the young will fall exhausted. But those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They, sh they shall mount up with wings like eagles, and they shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not be faint. The Holy Spirit brings us into God's presence and gives us the patience to wait on him. The Lord saves and heals us from our sins so that we may be productive and so that we may serve. Today's Gospel account goes on to tell us how after healing many, Jesus rose up in the middle of the night to go to a lonely place to pray. We all, at times, feel lonely or desolate, especially in times of illness. Jesus shows us that a desolate place is a place for prayer and strengthening. Whenever we feel lonely or desolate, remember that God has given us such time to spend with him in prayer. The Holy Spirit makes our loneliness a place and time for praying and healing. 
When Simon and those who were with him found Jesus, they told him to come back to the many people who were waiting for him. Now, which is more important, our agenda for Jesus or Jesus' agenda for us? Do we have any right to tell Jesus how he should live our lives in us? Jesus subtly put Peter in his right place by telling him he had other plans. Other people needed to hear his preaching about repentance and the good news of the rule and reign of God. His work had to go on elsewhere. So he said to them, let us go out to the, town, to the next towns that I might preach there also, for that is why I have come. In our epistle reading from 1, John, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, Paul wrote, Though I am free and belong to no man, I make myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. Paul, of course, claimed this freedom from an earthly perspective, but he saw that even though Jesus had a far greater freedom, for only he truly belongs to no man, he never used that freedom for his own benefit, but indeed made himself the true slave of all mankind, to not only win but redeem mankind from all that burdens and enslaves us. The work he continued with led eventually to his cross. By freeing people from their sin, sickness and demon possession, the Lord took on himself our sin and sickness and the fight against all the powers of evil. It was a fight to the death. He who freed people from fever, suffering and pain experienced fever, suffering and pain in himself while hanging on the cross. He battled the devil and all the powers of evil. His death was the victory over, over sin, death and the devil because he gave his life as the perfect atonement and payment for sin. It was the ransom God required and therefore the powerful antidote to death, the devil and all in league with him. That is why Jesus' death was followed by being victoriously restored to life. His victorious body that he gave into death for us, he gives to us here in his supper. His blood that was drained from his body but was restored to him flows to give his life to us. It doesn't mean that from now on we won't get sick or suffer or die. It means though that we that we it means that though we die, we will live. It means that no amount of sickness, suffering, and even death itself can separate us from God's love in Jesus Lord in Je sorry, Jesus Christ our Lord. It means that when sickness and trouble come to us, he will be by our side to guard and keep us. When we take our final breath, he will take us to where he reigns in, in glory, where there is no suffering, pain or danger from demons. And on the last day, when he brings this world to an end, 
he will raise our bodies to life so that we may live before him, body and soul, totally righteous and sinless and holy as he is holy. This is what those beautiful words in Isaiah 40 verse 31 ultimately mean. Those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. He who makes us productive now by the power of his spirit also makes us part of his new creation. On the day of the Lord, we will see that the old has indeed passed away and the new has come. Amen. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus.